I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome in, you fans. This is the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host, Trevor Allen. And man, am I excited. Because it actually feels like a game week. And you know what it is. Because as we sit here taping on Friday, November 20th in the afternoon, it sounds like Utah's actually going to be playing football in 2020. The USC Trojans are scheduled to land in Salt Lake City early evening, probably around 6 o'clock. And right now, as you've seen probably swirling all throughout Twitter, things are good to go. And that means that we are just that much closer to seeing Utah take the field for the first time in 2020 as they take on the 2-0 and 20th ranked USC Trojans. Coming up on today's show, well, it's a deep dive into USC. Also, I will give you three storylines that could determine the winner of the game and also some players to watch for for USC as you guys are ready to watch that game on TV because obviously fans are not allowed and not even family members um, of the players are allowed to go to this game so it's just going to be the media staff personnel and Utah and USC players coaches and staff so the game will kick off at 830 mountain time and it'll be broadcast on ESPN Dave Fleming and Rod Gilmore are on the call for that But also download the KSL Sports app because we're going to have the latest throughout the game and anything that you need to feed your fix of Utah football throughout the game and after and also leading up. So just download the KSL Sports app. You can get that wherever you get your apps. And then also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Trevor A Sports. I'll be tweeting out a lot leading up to the game and after the game and even during the game. A lot of stuff that will be coming as I will be at Rice Eccles Stadium. And then also at KSL Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we will have a lot of IG stories on that account, so make sure you guys uh, give it a follow. Let's first dive into some news and notes regarding Utah athletics before we dive into USC. Now, something that you're going to notice during the game is that Utah is going to be wearing their all-black uniforms, 
So black helmet, black jersey, black pants. And rather than the last name of the players on the back of the uniforms, they will be wearing one of seven words or phrases that are related to social justice. And those words are hope, enough, together, peace, unity, love, equality. So those are the seven phrases that Utah players will be wearing. So I think that that's really cool because you guys have noticed throughout throughout the offseason, uh, a lot of the Utah football players have been leading marches up to Capitol Hill and uh, really just using their platforms to create change. And then another thing is that the uh, Pac-12 conference approved non-conference games. Don't think a lot of BYU fans are listening to this, but I'm going to address it anyway because I know that that has been floating around there. Well, why doesn't BYU schedule? I, okay, I'm, I'm going to back up. When this announcement came down, all over Twitter, BYU saying, let's go after Oregon. Let's go after USC. Let's get Utah. Well, hold on. Pump the brakes here. You can't just go get them. One of the Pac-12 games has to be canceled, and the team who is not affected by COVID-19 can go schedule a non-conference opponent. But they have to adhere to three guidelines in order to have this non-conference game be scheduled. So first step, before even getting into those, those three things, your game has to be canceled. So, for instance, Colorado is not playing this week because of Arizona State having an outbreak on their football team. That game was already announced back on Sunday that it wasn't going to happen. So Colorado's been kind of waiting and seeing if any other Pac-12 games are canceled, and right now, no other ones are being canceled. There's one that potentially could be, and that is the Washington State Cougars, because according to some of the reports out there, Jaden DeLora, their, their quarterback, tested positive for COVID-19. Now, nothing else has come out from Washington State. We don't know how spread the virus is among the program. So that would be an option for Colorado. But right now, the league did not approve this until Thursday. The first thing, all Pac-12 testing and related protocols must be adhered to by the non-conference opponent, which means they have to be able to do daily testing. BYU does not do that right now. Could that change? Absolutely. But BYU tests three times a week. So do Mountain West Conference teams. But it doesn't mean that they can't change it to daily testing leading up to their game against a Pac-12 opponent. Number two, the non-conference game will in all cases be a home game for the Pac-12 team. And it will be broadcast by a Pac-12 television partner. So none of this Utah going down to Provo. None of the Pac-12 teams are going to Provo. They're not going anywhere else. They are home games. And three, if a Pac-12 opponent becomes available by the end of day Thursday in any given week, the conference game must be played in lieu of any non-conference game. So, say that Colorado scheduled, just for kicks and giggles, BYU. But then Washington State's opponent, which happens to be Stanford, has their game canceled and Stanford is left out in, in the dark. That non-conference game is going to be canceled and the two Pac-12 teams are going to play each other. So there's that. You guys can read more about that over at kslsports.com. And then some news regarding Utah men's basketball. It sounds like, just, and this is only according to reports, it's nothing set in stone, at least as of right now, that Utah will open up the season on Friday, November 27th. It was supposed to be the 25th, but now it looks like the 27th. They will play five non-conference games before jumping into their 20-game league schedule. All right, three storylines that could determine the winner of Utah-USC. Number one, shaking off the rust. This was on my 
three storyline story before the Arizona game, before it was canceled. And at that time, it was going to be 312 days since Utah last played a football game. Now, since they've had the last two weeks off, it'll be 326 days since Utah last played a football game. And that was the Alamo Bowl against Texas on New Year's Eve of 2019. Now, normally, Utah would have a spring football game, which it's not quite a game, but it's as close to a game as you can get without actually playing a game. And then in a normal season, the Utes would be entering the final two games of the regular season rather than just starting up the season. So that's a lot of rust to shake off when you're talking about college football players, and especially when a lot of them are playing for the first time in their college careers, as is this very young Utah defense. And then you're also doing it in the month of November. And then another factor going into this game is getting the players back and up to speed this week for those that had to be isolated due to COVID-19. Not just testing positive, but the ones who were isolated. Because they weren't allowed to practice. But it sounds like most of the team is back and ready to go. And that started on Monday. So just know, going into this game, it's going to take some time early on to get things going on both sides of the ball. Offense probably not as much, but there will still be some cobwebs and rust to shake off. But the quicker that Utah can shake it off, the better off they will be. And then number two is a couple of matchups I'm looking forward to with sophomore Travis Broughton, also known as JT, and Clark Phillips III going up against USC duo Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughns. St. Brown and Vaughns are veterans. The Trojan tandem last season combined for 151 receptions for 1,954 yards and 12 touchdowns. This season, they have 28 combined catches, 14 apiece, which leads the team, for 336 yards, but they haven't had a touchdown this year. And then between Broughton and Phillips, they have 14 games played, which all belong to Broughton, and most of them were on special teams. And zero starts between the two. So you're asking a sophomore and a true freshman to go into this game and defend and try and shut down two NFL-caliber receivers. That's what's going to be interesting. Because keep in mind, Broughton is considered to be Utah's number one corner, according to Sharif Shaw, according to Morgan Scally and Kyle Whittingham. But Clark Phillips is Utah's highest-ranked recruit to ever sign in school history. And he worked his way up to becoming the starter to the point where Bronson Boyd, who Phillips beat out, entered the transfer portal. So it'll be interesting. And on top of that, Phillips has become more valuable because he's been getting reps at Nickelback especially during the early portion of fall camp, and is now Malone Mataele's backup at nickel. So that'll be interesting. A new era for Utah's secondary will begin on Saturday night. And then number three, getting an effective pass rush. So I went back and watched the last two games for USC. Their game against Arizona State, where they barely won, had to come back in the last minute. And then their win, also in the last minute, over Arizona last week. And just watching those two games... It is apparent that Keaton Slovis, I mean, we all know he's young, going into his sophomore year, and he's also a pocket passer. So getting a pass rush on him and making sure that he is not comfortable and flush him out of the pocket, it's going to be critical for Utah. And the Utes have the pieces to do that. Mika Tafua, Max Tupai are the two veteran pieces on the edges. And then you're looking at Vianney Mawala and Halawati Pututau to stop the run and clog up the gaps. And then also on top of that, Blake Keithy, Van Fillinger and Xavier Carlton, they haven't had a a rep in college football games, 
Keithy has been dealing with injuries, and Van Fillinger and uh, Xavier Carlton are freshmen. They have been standouts in camp, and they will be getting playing time this year. If those guys can make Keaton Slovis uncomfortable and flush him out of the pocket where he has to make a really quick decision, I think Utah can make him pay. Plus, it'll make it easier for the young secondary as Utah faces USC's air raid. All right, so you guys can find that that story over at kslsports.com. And then a couple of things to watch out for regarding the Trojans. Some notes that, I, as I was going through USC's notes, I noticed a couple of things. The 8.30 p.m. kickoff time, which is mountain time, on ESPN is the latest for USC in 65 years. The last time they had a game that late was in 1955 when they played Oregon and Texas, as well as Wisconsin that year. But the last game was when they played Wisconsin at the Coliseum. And then in this series, USC has a 12-6 and record over Utah, including 2-4 and in Salt Lake City. And the uh, Trojans have lost the last three games in Salt Lake City at Rice Eccles Stadium. Since joining the Pac-12 in 2011, Utah is 3-5 and against USC. And keep in mind, Utah's only loss in the regular season last year was at USC by seven points. And since the game's at night, and we're going to check out the weather, I mean, you're all going to be in the comfort of your own home, so it's going to be nice and warm. But for the players, it's going to be a little bit different. The low on Saturday is supposed to be 30 degrees, so below freezing, which could have an impact for USC. In night games, they are 181, 67, and 4 all time at night. 59 and 29 on the road. And then, it's actually funny, as I was going through their notes, whenever it came down to cold weather, and I'm putting in quotes, USC is 13-12-1 in cold weather games, and and then they put in parentheses, where the cold temperature had such an impact on the game that it was mentioned in the media's game recaps. And the last time USC played a cold weather game was at Colorado in 2019, where they won 35-31 when it was in the mid-40s. The coldest game in USC history was 20 degrees in the snow at Notre Dame in 1957. And then the uh, second coldest USC game was 29 degrees in 1949. And in 1952 and 1959 in South Bend. And the 2013 Colorado game. So Utah's going to be floating around, you know, 30 degrees. Now, some players to watch for. Obviously, Keaton Slovis. And Amon Ross St. Brown. Tyler Vaughns. But a couple of others. Drake London, he's 6'5", 210, a wide receiver, really, really good. He caught the game-winning touchdown against Arizona. He's really athletic, really good. Also plays on the USC basketball team. And then another one who kind of flipped between Texas and USC as far as recruiting, uh, transferred to, to Texas and then went back to USC, is Brew McCoy. He's also a wide receiver. He is a true freshman. He's really, really good, as are most of the USC players. And then uh, two guys on the offensive line to watch out for. Elijah Vera Tucker, he wears number 75. He is the left tackle. And Andrew Voorhees, he's a junior. He's at left guard. He wears number 72. So Max Tupai is going to be facing off against those two in that battle. So we'll just see what happens with that. And then Mika Tafua is going up against a junior in Jalen McKenzie. And Liam Jimmins, who is a senior at right guard. And then they use three running backs. Stephen Carr, Vave Malapai, and Marquis Stepp. And then on defense, three guys really stand out to me. One up front, one at linebacker, and one in the secondary. Number 93, nose tackle, Marlon Tulipolotu. He's a junior. Now, he was supposed to be playing alongside Bingham High Star 
Jay Tufele. But Jay decided to opt out of the 2020 season and get ready for the 21 NFL draft. So now it's all down to Marlon Tuipolotu. He's a junior. At the B-backer spot, number 99, Drake Jackson. He's a sophomore. 6'4", 255, he's a freak. And then another guy who is ready to make plays and can also hit really hard is strong safety, number 15, Talanoa Hufunga, 6'1", 215. So those are a couple of players to watch for. Now, given that USC's defense... As I mentioned, I read off a bunch of names on offense and not many on defense. That's because I believe when it's all said and done, this game is going to be a shootout. Despite having all those weapons last year, including Michael Pittman, USC put up 30 points on Utah against that really good defense. It seemed like whatever Matt Fink was able to throw up in the air, it was caught by a USC receiver, which was strange because you had Jalen Johnson, Javelin Guidry, Julian Blackman, Terrell Burgess, Josh Nurse, Tariq Lewis, just couldn't get anything going. Couldn't get much stops. And Utah managed to put 23 points up on the board. I think that with Utah's experience on offense, regardless of who's at quarterback, Jake Bentley or Cam Rising, and then who is that running back? Devin Brumfield, Jordan Wilmore, Makai Bernard, Ty Jordan, along with Britton Covey in the slot and using him in many different ways. Brant Keithy the same way. Cole Fotheringham, Dalton Kincaid, Solomon Enos, Brian Thompson, Samson Nakua, Devon Vele. This game has the makings of an absolute shootout and a high-scoring football game. Don't be surprised if you see a final score upwards of 45 to 42. But it is 2020, and some things just might surprise you. So there's that. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Again, please check out all of our coverage of Utah and USC at kslsports.com. Download the KSL Sports app. You can also check us out on Twitter at Trevor A. Sports, at KSL Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And then also right here on the Crimson Corner Podcast, because on Sunday we'll have a full recap of Utah-USC and looking at potentially Utah facing Arizona State. We will see if the uh, Sun Devils will be ready after they've had two straight weeks now of canceled football games. If not, who are some options for Utah to play next Saturday, November 28th? Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's always powered by kslsports.com. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything it was violent it was senseless and i will never understand it i will never accept it i'm amy donaldson and unfortunately we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives but what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt in a new podcast the letter we relive tragedy but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives the realities of grief and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.